Hey gentlemen, this is Robert Nolan. Welcome to the Sword and Shield Devotionals for Men. I uh, started, I mentioned this before in podcasts, but I started the top of this year reading uh, a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament. Uh, you know, just like any Bible reading plan, your goal is to do it seven days a week, but for various reasons, you're going to you're gonna miss some or, or whatever, a day or two here and there. But the goal is obviously you don't feel bad about it or feel guilty. You just get back on and keep going after you get back on. Um, so I've done that. And, and now that it's nearly the end of October, I've getting pretty close to the end of both. Um, but just some, every time you read through scripture and I've been a, uh, in ministry now for 40 years and been through the Bible a lot in a lot of different ways and a lot of different plans, both through random and through regular. But I've really, this time through come to some new thoughts and new conclusions and one of them is really starting to tie together the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. And I've honestly heard a, a lot of people, for some reason, talking, both Christians and non-Christians, in situations and media and such, talking about the difference in the Old and New Testament and the, the God that is kind of always seen in the Old Testament and the God that is seen in the, the New Testament and how. And in fact, I even heard someone who not a believer talking about the Bible, and they were saying like, well, the God in the Old Testament is an angry God, and the God in the New Testament seems to be a God of love. But what we've got to understand is the two go together. I mean, there, there's there's not a different God between the the two books, there are the two Testaments. There's the same God, but there's a difference in what's occurred. I want to read a couple of passages to you, one out of the Old Testament, one out of the New Testament today. Now, tune in with me. These are going to be a little bit longer passages, but but hang in there and stay with me because don't need to tune out just because we start reading scripture. But um, but these are a little bit longer, but I want you to really listen, tune in on the words. And when I come back at the end, we're going to tie this all together. This is a passage out of Ezekiel. It's uh, chapter 21. It says, um, therefore, son of man, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. Your ancestors continued to blaspheme and betray me. For when I brought them into the land, I had promised them they offered sacrifices on every high hill and under every green tree they saw. They roused my fury as they offered up sacrifices to their gods. They brought their perfumes and incense and poured out their liquid offerings to them. I said to them, what is this high place where you are going? This kind of pagan shrine has been called. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. Do you plan to pollute yourselves just as your ancestors did? Do you intend to keep prostituting yourselves by worshiping vile images? For when you offer gifts to them and give your little children to be burned as sacrifices, you continue to pollute yourselves with idols to this day. Should I allow you to ask for a message from me, O people of Israel? As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I will tell you nothing. You say, we want to be like the nations all around us who serve idols of wood and stone. But what you have in mind will never happen. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist in great anger and with awesome power. And in anger, I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the lands where you are scattered. I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations, and there I will judge you face to face. I will judge you there just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the sovereign Lord. I will examine you carefully and hold you to the terms of the covenant. I will purge you of all those who rebel and revolt against me. I will bring them out of the countries where they are in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. As for you, O people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Go right ahead and worship your idols, but sooner or later you will obey me and will stop bringing shame on my holy name 
by worshiping idols. For on my holy mountain, the great mountain of Israel, says the sovereign Lord, the people of Israel will someday worship me and I will accept them. There I will require that you bring me all your offerings and choice gifts and sacrifices. When I bring you home from exile, you will be like a pleasing sacrifice to me, and I will display my holiness through you as all the nations watch. Then when I have brought you home to the land I promised with a solemn oath to give to your ancestors, you will know that I am the Lord. You will look back on all the ways you defiled yourself and will hate yourselves because of the evil you have done. You will know that I am the Lord, O people of Israel, when I have honored my name by treating you mercifully mercifully, in spite of your wickedness. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Did you catch the shift there from words like fury and anger and not going to listen to you? Are you prostituting yourselves and words like that? Did you sense the shift where it starts to become, but I'm going to do this for you anyway? You're going to get here. You're going to do this. You will know that I am the Lord when I have honored my name by treating you mercifully in spite of your wickedness. Um, that's a continual theme through the Old Testament is God begins to talk and he explains why he's mad, but then he always turns it into more of a disciplinary thing. And then the reality comes out of what he wants and where he wants things to go and his goal for his children. Now, as dads, if you're a dad, uh, or we all have a dad on some level, um, you start thinking about a good dad if you do something really, really bad, and immediately he's really upset with you over your behavior, he starts telling you why he doesn't like what you're doing and why this is not a good thing and maybe even what he's about to do. But then, as most dads do a- after the punishment or, or in the process, then their heart turns toward their child. And they start, but they then they start explaining, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I want you to understand this is bad behavior and what good behavior is. And it turns just like it's seen here. And again, like it says in scripture, if we as evil dads can do good things for our kids, how much more will our heavenly father do for us? So yeah, you definitely read through the Old Testament. You pick up on the anger and the fury and all those things. But it was always because God wanted his people to choose to love him as he loved them. And it just was always a problem. It was always an issue. So that's what brings us to the New Testament. I'm going to flip over to um, First Peter, and um, this is I'm Second Peter. Sorry, Second Peter. This is in chapter one. Now, notice the shift here, but it tells us what has been done versus what is going to be done. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. 
do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we go from what God desires and what God wants to do to the New Testament, where we see this has been done. It has been accomplished. I think a real major key of connecting the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the the the, hum, the humanness that we see in the in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the godliness that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the key key factor. The number one factor we have to realize is God in the Old Testament was constantly working on His creation, His children, to go back to the fellowship of the Garden. But He knew what was that evil and that sin had entered. And we had disobeyed him. So there was a constant desire that behavior would change, that hearts would change to drive us back to him. And that was always the goal of what was occurring. But we just kept messing up. And I say we because this is humankind. But we got to remember that when Jesus came, he knew that eventually there was going to be this moment where he was hanging on the cross, where all of that anger and fury of the Old Testament was going to come down on him. So honestly, no human really ever suffered from the level of God's anger and fury, except for Christ. And so what happens with the Old Testament, it leads up to Jesus coming, him spending his three years in his ministry, showing us his life, showing us the lifestyle, showing us how to live, but then ultimately hanging on the cross, taking all of the anger and all the fury of God upon himself to pay for the sin he did not commit that we committed so that he could then provide what is now past tense to us. And this is why Peter even said, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It's not being promised. It has been done and it is available. So I really want to encourage you if you haven't in a long time, and we are getting kind of the end of a year, close to the top of a year, to really go back and read through passages or maybe do what I did, start reading Old and New Testament together and tying those things together. It's really amazing to see what happened um, in the Old Testament and then the answers to the things that happened with the New Testament that tie those together. But the bottom line of the gospel and the bottom line of Scripture is all along God had a plan. All along God had a way to bring us back to Himself. All along He had a plan that His the fury and the anger He had over, over sin and bad behavior was going to ultimately be paid. The price of that was going to be paid by his son on the cross. That occurred in Jesus. He's done it. We live in that now. That's available to us now. That really is the beauty and the majesty of the gospel. This is Robert Nolan. You've been listening to the Sword and Shield devotionals for men. Go get them.